Father, you are so good to us and you know us and you're there for us. Your heart is for the good of your people. You want what's best for us. You feed us from your word to sustain us. Lord, you know that we need your word, which is why you gave it to us. So now would you do a work that only you can do by feeding us with your word because your word is life. Your word is truth. We're desperate for it. Give us direction from your word. Give us hope and help. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever had the problem of being so distraught and frustrated because of your happy and tranquil feelings? Of your peace and quiet? Your joy and fun and good memories and nostalgic experiences? Ah, well, you're thinking Earth to Daniel. Probably not. Never, and and neither have I. Never struggled with those types of times. Let's just say that those are not typically what people go to counseling to address, right? Can you imagine someone coming in? I'm here because everything is just going so great, and I feel amazing. Please help me. Oh, I'm just so, feel so good. I'm so happy. Everything's fun. Everything's wonderful. No, that's not how it goes, is it? Not at all. Because by and large, we are all very appreciative even of those pleasant experiences and pleasant feelings. And we even spend our time and energy and effort and money for good times and good feelings and good experiences like that, right? We know that. Let the good times roll, as the Cars 1978 song repeated over and over and over again, right? We pursue those things. But as we saw last week, in a fallen world, not all times are good times, right? And not all feelings are good feelings either. And that's the reason the Bible has a lot of fear nots in it. And also don't worries in it, right? That, that's why it's there. Because anxiety is a common to man problem that all people face to one degree or another. And worry, anxiety, and fear are not fun experiences, are they? And typically, anyone who faces them are not gladly giving their time and attention to it as if they're just thrilled to pursue those feelings of crippling fear. Oh, I can't wait to feel anxious again. Nobody does that. Worry and preoccupation with whatever thought might be plaguing them, you see, that's not what they're pursuing. Those are unwanted feelings. They're unpleasant emotions. And we're going to see here that these are even sometimes debilitating experiences that people want to avoid and wish that they could get rid of, if at all possible. You know that's true. Psalm 42's question of why the soul is so downcast, you see, applies here as well. And the confusion of and the turmoil within the psalmist's heart describes anxiety doesn't it? Let's look at it again in Psalm 42 and verse 5a. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And Proverbs 12, 25 put it like this. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Are you struggling here with us this morning with anxiety? And are you weighed down by it? Overwhelmed even? And do you have turmoil within your very own soul? If that's the case, this is a sermon for you. And I hope it's a good word even that 
helps make your heart glad, even if a little bit more, even if in, a, in the right direction. I hope that this might be helpful for you. So let's help. Let's together considering the different types of concern, anxiety, uh, and fear that people face. Because it's not all the same for everybody. And I must begin by making very clear to us all that we are both physical and spiritual beings and that just in the case of depression that we saw last week, your anxiety can be both caused and influenced by your inner and outer person in terms of those dynamics that we saw, which means, right, for all of us, that going to the doctor for regular checkups and even addressing your anxiety with someone who specializes in psychiatric care and disorders is an important thing to be considering because we are both physical and spiritual beings, right? And I appreciate the clarifying word by Pastor counselor, Paul Tauchus, who has been really helpful to me personally in his ministry to me, as well as in his writings and teachings, uh, as I spent about a year with him as he oversaw and kind of was a pastor mentor uh, for me in counseling ministry. This is what he said in one of his lectures on panic attacks. Hear his words. Paul says, some things are physical, but all things are spiritual, Regardless of how much the physical is a factor, because there's always a need for the spirit of man to be ministered to by the word of God with grace and truth. I think this is just really helpful for us to remember when dealing with our embodied souls, as he puts it. And we can, I can rest assured, you can rest assured, that regardless of where you're at in the physical, spiritual pendulum in terms of your problems... And regardless of all the potential reasons why you may be struggling with whatever you're struggling with, that there is help and hope and direction from God's word, even as you may be seeking physical help and things like that from a doctor. Does that make, does that make sense? I think that's helpful for us to be aware of. And I want to also add here again, because it's so important, that like depression, we must remember that anxiety looks different in each individual unique person in front of us. We have to be humble and remember that no two people are exactly like in their problems. And that is true, as we saw, of depression last week, and it's certainly true of anxiety as well. So what happens, for instance, to one person may be similar, but it will never be exactly the same. We're unique people with histories and pasts and thinking and acting and doing. There's too much involved. It's never going to be exactly the same. And what helps one person may help others, but not necessarily. Because there are complex human issues and factors going on And we need to be honest with that and avoid the tendency to become simplistic and to forget that people are different than us. That's a really novel and obvious fact, but it's so important that we take it to heart. And and I want us to remember this week as well that, that they are not you. And that they, if they're suffering, are really suffering, even if you might not be. So we need to humbly and sensitively approach this whole topic with both humility and curiosity to learn what suffering and struggling people are going through who are in front of us. Whether it's the extreme depression and sadness that we saw last week or it's extreme worry and fear and anxiety that we're going to see today. We need to be humble about that. But what is anxiety? I mentioned already up front here in the sermon a few biblical descriptions, uh, and there are more that we'll see later, but let's look quickly at the DSM-5 like we did last week, because I I believe that that's helpful. There's descriptions there that can be helpful for us when it comes to defining some of these things. 
It says, anxiety is excessive worry and apprehensive expectations occurring more days than not for at least six months about a number of events or activities such as work or school performance. I read on one uh, medical website explaining further, it, it's, it says this, this is helpful, excessive worry means worrying even when there is no specific threat present or in a manner that is disproportionate to the actual risk, someone struggling with GAD, or general anxiety disorder, which is what that stands for, experiences a high percentage of their waking hours worrying about something. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have struggled your whole life worrying about something. Whatever it may be, whether imagined or actual concerns, they're real to you and causes a major problem in your life. And I'm just so sorry that you face that and experience that. I can imagine how difficult and crippling and hard that that may be for you. My heart would go out to you in that regard. And if you're a Christian, as we know, in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, he commands us not to be anxious. So, for the believer, we can have all kinds of emotions going on as it relates to our unwanted experience with anxiety, right? Including guilt. And some worry and fear and anxiety certainly is sinful and must be turned away from and repented of. But, to clarify, not all is sin like that. Just to, just to be really clear. As Jay Adams put it, As an example, fear, per se, is not wrong. God implanted all emotions in man. Fear of danger, like falling over the cliff, leads one to take necessary precautions. And that kind of thing is right and holy, he says. We want to be aware of that and sensitive to that. And God uses that in our lives for good. And even Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, that we've seen before... You see, Jesus even recognizes that there will, not not that there might, but that there will be everyday worries, as we're going to see later. And Jesus shows us how we can deal with those worries correctly, doesn't he? Furthermore, the Bible doesn't picture a carefree utopia of naive bliss and tranquility. No, it's realistic, isn't it? It pictures a world outside the perfect and sinless garden without any of the effects of the fall, with sin and fear and danger and problems. That's what's outside the garden. That's what the Bible describes that we're in. So God even expects you to struggle at times in your life with things like anxiety, which is why he so graciously provides help for us Right, Because if if he didn't expect that that was going to be a a struggle in our lives, you see, he would not put it in the Bible, would he? But he cares for you and your struggles and your problems. He cares by warning and teaching and correcting you and being there for you and giving you a straight path in the chaos of life. And notice, God doesn't just leave us out there on a limb with our terrible experiences, does he? And he doesn't just condemn us offhand. What does he do? He provides help for us. That's what we're going to see today. I want us to praise God for his wisdom and kindness to speak straight with us, to be real with us on this and on life. Thank God for that. And let's be honest, every last one of us here, we all probably have and do have a mixture of both the natural daily interactions with good and bad worry and fear and anxiety. We, we all do. Let's just be real with it. And let's face it. It's a problem that we all have to confront. And we shouldn't be taking out stones to condemn the next one next to us that are struggling as well because we have common problems. We're all common strugglers along the way for various reasons. Oh, so church, please, let's seek to provide help and hope for strugglers who all live outside together the perfect Garden of Eden with lots of trials, toils, and snares. Oh my, as 
The Wizard of Oz puts it. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. We need to be real about these things. And just consider this. There are various types of anxiety that manifests itself amongst us. Now, this is not a technical breakdown by any means, but just some observations that I've made. Uh, But you have, of course, the garden variety, anxiety, fear, and worry that all people face to one degree or another. Now, I don't want us to take that for granted because anxiety, even in its least severe form or state, left unchecked, can lead to increased problems and, and even to sin and can be sin. And I also want to say this about the garden variety type. Don't, if, you've, if this is where you're at, don't think that if you've dealt with this type of anxiety that you just fully all of a sudden are an expert and you have all the answers and you can understand what everybody else around you is going through and that you, that you have the final word on this whole thing because of how you've addressed uh, your problem with anxiety. The reality is that you don't. You don't. So be humble. Be, be, be real. Be aware. Other people could be in different places. Then you, for instance, as an example, you also have the persistent struggle. So you got the garden variety, but then you also, other people deal with this persistent struggle causing distractions and major challenges in our day-to-day lives and experiences. This is described more acutely in the DSM. Here are six symptoms, and if you have a variety of these, and uh, this, this, is realized, this is putting you in, into a situation that you've experienced this persistent struggle with anxiety. Uh, these are really weighty things. Here they are. Edginess or restlessness. Two, tire, tiring, easy, more fatigued than usual. Three, impaired concentration or feeling as though the mind goes blank. Number four, irritability, which may or may not be observable by others. Five, increased muscle aches or soreness. Six, difficulty sleeping due to the trouble of falling asleep or staying asleep or restlessness at night or unsatisfying sleep. Now, these are persistent struggles with anxiety, and and even these examples can have a variety of different uh, problems and disorders, uh, and, and when it comes to like internal psychiatric problems, this kind of category of worry and fear and anxiety has, has the, the most of these different struggles and disorders and challenges uh, of them all. And the struggle for some people can be for a season, right? But then for others, sometimes, they've struggled with this sad, hard, difficult, unwanted problem their entire lives. And there are degrees, of course, in this kind of category, as every, different, every person is different and has different severities of struggle with anxiety. It fluctuates from person to person. And, and it can even get worse than what I'm describing. And, and, and an example of that would be a person's anxiety and struggle in these ways digressing to an even kind of back-breaking crushing fear and anxiety that is debilitating for them. They cannot even go out. It's so bad. They cannot even get up. And they feel like they cannot even feel that there is any hope or way for help in that situation for people who struggle severely. So church, do you see here the interplay between depression and anxiety, as these awful feelings of worries and fear can also lead to not the happy-go-lucky, sunshine-and-giddy emotions, but to what? Sadness, pain, and darkness. I mentioned a lot of types of disorders earlier, just a moment ago, and these are persistent struggles that people face, and here they are. Generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, panic disorder, phobias, separation anxiety disorder, substance or medication-induced anxiety disorder, and other related disorders to this would be PTSD or acute stress disorder or obsessive-compulsive disorder or adjustment disorder, and there's, there's more to be said about all that, uh, and I hope you're hearing here, I hope you're listening 
and I hope you remember that you are not them. And they are not you. And that people can struggle with a variety of problems and different types of worry and anxiety and fear. Have an awareness of that. And remember that next time, if this is you, if you struggle in this way, remember that if you don't have this awareness, the next time you're tempted to be judgmental towards someone else. Remember that. This leads us to our next consideration We just saw the types and symptoms and even diagnoses of anxiety. Now let's quickly look at the causes and effects of anxiety. Now this is going to have to be quick because I want to get to the biblical solutions fast so we don't all just get super anxious and depressed hearing about all these problems because I know that that can happen. So so bear with me here. We're we're going to move on from all this description But Jesus said, of course, in Matthew 6, 25a, what does he say? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, I'm going to stop there in that passage, and we know that it goes on. I've even preached a few sermons through that section of Scripture in Matthew. Uh, But we're going to be reminded about even some of those dynamics later into our next point. But I want us to see here that the causes of anxiety is simply... It's, it's worry about your life or other people's life in some way or another. And thankfully, Jesus describes answers and solutions so well in the Sermon on the Mount. There's so much to be said there. So I want us to pair what we have seen before, uh, what Jesus is saying here, and I want us to pair that with that excessive over-worry to fear and concerns that we just saw in the DSM. This excessive anxiety can even be a kind of idolatrous response to the distresses of life. Not always. But what does it mean when you care too much or excessively about certain things and that those things can lift up to a certain extreme front and center place and priority in our life? What does it mean? It means that you are getting your priorities all out of whack. Like I said, this isn't the only description or reason, but it it can certainly be one dynamic of it, right? It, It means that if that's the case, that there's idolatrous going on, placing things above God for some situations. So, for example, there could be excessive worry and fear about money, right? That's the that's the major thrust of the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is getting at in terms of the context. Or, for instance, that excessive concern of the unknown future. Or about our health or other people's health. Or about your relationships, maybe, with your spouse or kids. Or if you're dating, your boyfriend or girlfriend. Or if you're single or don't have children or family. Or if you're you're widowed, just worried about other relationships with people in Your life. Excessive worry could lead us to be fearful and stressed out and worry about our work, can't it? Or about being around other people. Just being around people makes you anxious. Or you can add worry about irrational fears and phobias. People struggle with these things. Or upcoming meetings. You're all stressed out about something that's going to happen. Or some event that's into the future. Or certain tasks and activities Like, for instance, some people say that speaking in public is like the most fear-inducing thing for them, and and maybe that is your worry. That's not mine, of course, as as a preacher, but maybe that is yours. Or worry about other people and how they perceive you or the fear of man. You see, just they could come from all over the place. That's just the tip of the iceberg. There's more to be said. Or even we can add in terms of effects and causes and things that there are the demonic forces. We, we must not forget about that. We cannot forget about the prowling around and the seeking to devour that goes on in, the, in terms of the spiritual realm. That's a reality in a biblical worldview. Now, not all struggles are owed to a demon, certainly, but certainly some can be, right? 
If we're going to really have a biblical worldview, we have to believe all that the scriptures reveal. And we know that we have an enemy who's against us. He's an enemy that is, that is in, in, in a lot of different ways, in control of, of, of a world system leading it down a certain way. And we're involved in those types of things. And that can affect us too. So we can't ignore that potential cause. Or... Anxiety and fear can even be caused by sinful actions from others against you, like abuse, which, just to be very, very clear, does not at all relate to this issue of idolatry I meant before, I mentioned before. Because, of course, a person being abused is a victim, and their problem isn't being caused by their own sin in terms of abuse, but by other people's sin against them. Now, if you have been abused or someone has been abused, it doesn't mean that someone who's been in that situation just doesn't have any kind of sin on their own. Nobody would be saying that. But what it does mean is that we have to distinguish, like we did last week, the severity and the heinous nature of abuse and the serious consequences that it inflicts on suffering people, that that is oftentimes the cause in a lot of situations where that's the case, where severe anxiety and depression and difficulties because of that, whether it's in in children or adults, or whether it's adults now struggling because of what happened to them when they were children. We need to be understanding and sensitive to these things, and we need to realize that these symptoms and difficulties, whatever they are, can, can be a struggle for young and old. We must not forget about how vast these problems are outside of the perfect Garden of Eden. Let's just be real. Sin and struggles and suffering and fallenness, it affects us all. And again, I say here, like the issue of depression, life's pressures can also be the issue that adds up one on top of another being kind of poured into the boiling soup of our daily lives, so to speak. And if you get enough in that pressure cooker of things that life throws at you, unpleasant things, unpleasant feelings, unpleasant examples or experiences, don't you think that it can lead to anxiety and fear and burnout even, and for some, the suffocating panic attacks, which is also... an effect of anxiety. And maybe some have experienced that kind of thing. You see, anxiety just hurts you. It's bad for you. Jesus warned us about that and gave us direction about that. I know we've all been hurt and struggled by those unwanted feelings in our lives. And all this worry and anxiety and fear affects you in your feelings and can lead to sadness and depression and even despair, like I mentioned. And it has an influence even on your physical, bodily health. Some people have ulcers inflicted upon them because of the crushing effects of anxiety. Some people have high blood pressure because of it, even have heart problems, or, of course, like I mentioned, lack of sleep or insomnia. And it could, of course, lead to that beating of a heart and panic attacks and breathing as you feel like you're having a heart attack, all because of anxiety and fear and worry, all of it just blowing up on you. People can get to that position. They can feel suffocated, they describe it that way. They can feel like they're drowning. That's how they describe it. Now, is any of that pleasant? No, it's terrible. Do you think anybody who goes through these things are just looking for it like they just go to the grocery store? Where can I find some anxiety? Where can I find some fear? Oh, I love to buy some worry and panic attacks. Uh, You have any on sale? Now, nobody does that. These are unwanted experiences. And I want you to see here that these effects describe and they they illustrate the body-spirit dynamic that we've been seeing, don't they? It pictures the outer man, inner man, or outer man or woman situation and that relationship that we face in our world. The inner pressures and problems can lead to even drastic health effects physically. You see that? This is why 
I implored us all last week to take heed of our own mental and emotional and soul health because these things are really weighty and serious. Because our internal processing of things and how that is addressing and dealing, how how it's hitting us can affect our physical health. And likewise, our physical health, or lack thereof, affects our inner processing and spiritual well-being as well. Do you see the interplay? It's clear here in this particular issue. And sometimes things can get so bad that that our experiences and things can be leading to sinful actions based on how terrible sometimes people can feel. And now it doesn't excuse it, but it does just show us the reality of this body-soul dynamic that every person faces. And we have to be aware of all of these things. And that all this pressure often leads people into sinful substance abuse, using drugs and alcohol to escape their feelings, their unwanted feelings, or pursuing sexual immorality, or to get angry and have outbursts with others, and having this constant tendency of being short with everybody around them, constantly distracted in mind, wandering about, inability to sleep, and even kind of leading some people to paranoid fear and of bad things happening to them at every turn and every corner, just a fixation of a variety of possible tragedies that may Before you, just see all the effects and things of that nature. But hopefully here, this description and this discussion hasn't discouraged y'all too much. Because rest assured, we're now going to move to our final section of the sermon to see 12 biblical helps when faced with anxiety. This should be the balm to help us in terms of that whole wave of negativity and struggle and discouragement and just reminders for those of you who struggle about how terrible this experience can be. And hear this with football season upon us. This is going to be a quick shotgun approach, releasing each point like Patrick Mahomes fires the ball on a quick slant either side of the field. And the goal here, of course, is not to be exhaustive and say everything that Scripture can say here, but to get the ball out quick and hopefully encourage us all in a a kind of a cumulative approach, a fire hose approach of reasons that we can look at and be encouraged by. Now, you could look at other expository sermons and these passages that I've preached or other pastors have preached to get all the details of some of these passages, but we're just going to hit it quickly and go through these 12 points. So here goes, okay? Number one, chief end. Now, just because I mentioned your Beloved chiefs, church, doesn't mean that every point in the sermon is going to relate to them, okay? It's not relating to them. I read a helpful book this past week by Pastor Josh Weidman titled The End of Anxiety, where he argues that the chief end of man, you know, not the, not the red and gold, no, but not the chiefs, but the chief end of man is to glorify God And Weidman argues that there is purpose in all of our anxiety just as there is purpose in all other areas of our lives. And that is to lead us to Jesus and to glorify God. So as we try to glorify God in our church and in our marriages and in our parenting or in our jobs or in our singleness or in our work or classes and work or things of that nature, we should also seek to glorify God in and through our struggle with depression and anxiety because what? God is there for you and God is and can be growing you even in your terrible suffering trials and discouragement and difficult experiences. Chief end of God affects to, relates to every areas of our lives. Number two, Don't go it alone. Look, church, God invented the local church for a reason. He wants believers to gather in their local churches, to be around each other, and to actually show up and be there in person. Not not just to watch online alone, but God wants us to be there for each other face-to-face in person. 
God gave doctors for physical help. He gave Christians and churches and pastors for spiritual help and support. We need to be there with each other. Don't go it alone. We need to be there to bear each other's burdens as we saw in Galatians 6. So if you struggle in these ways, ask a trusted Christian family member or friend or pastor or fellow church member for biblical counsel, support, prayer, and encouragement. Listen, sometimes fresh eyes of others can help you maybe even see a little better in the fog of what you're going through. So don't go it alone. Be there for one another and seek to be there for others. Three, pursue a clean conscience. As I mentioned before, not all of our internal problems are due to sin, as we've seen. It's just not. But... It's often the case in a sinful world that our sin has something to do with our feelings and problems in life. It's just the reality. We are all fallen. We all have sin. We just have to be aware of how that may affect different areas, experiences, and emotions in our life. It's not always the case that that's the direct response. And it's not, it's not the exclusive thing always that, that somebody might point out. But it does play a factor in many cases, it plays a factor in guilty consciences like we've seen in biblical characters, and you know from the scriptures of David and Peter and even Judas, that it could lead to terribly guilty feelings and guilty experiences. Why? Because there's actual guilt and sin going on in some situations. And as the song goes, there ain't no rest for the wicked. So pursue a clean conscience by repenting of the sin that you're going to have so that you don't keep going down that road. That can be a help as well. And number four, I want you to, the scriptures want you to, God wants you to pray when you're anxious. Philippians 4 tells us to pray when we are anxious. The apostle Paul anticipates, like God anticipates, that we will, Every one of us get anxious at times, maybe all the time for some of you. And what does Paul advise us in Philippians 4? He advises us that we should pray to God about what is causing our anxiety. Hear this, every last one of you who struggle with anxiety, your anxiety is sanctified when you pray. It will never lead to sinful actions and sinful anxiety and worry and fear if you are praying to God when you are anxious. I want you to let that give you hope and direction. Instead of being worry warts, be worry interceders or worry prayer warriors for yourself and others. And if you don't know how to pray, this leads us to point number five. Turn into the scriptures to inform your thoughts and your words, I recommend the Psalms as a great place to go for this. Pray scripture in times of fear. And we're going to see this even more next week when it deals with lament for a variety of emotions. The Bible speaks to all these different emotions right there in the scriptures. So open up the scriptures and let it renew your heart and mind and feelings and prayers as you look to God in prayer through and in response to the reading of his word. Six, pursue heavenly treasure. If you remember in our series through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us to seek heavenly treasure and rewards, doesn't he? Not earthly treasure and earthly rewards. If we're doing good things to be seen by others, and if we're fixated on the here and now alone, our present earthly kingdoms maybe, financially and stability, those things that we may be building, or the present earthly reputations and appearances that we try so hard desperately to keep up, then we're gonna be anxious about all of those earthly things all of the time. But seeking heavenly treasures reorients us to what matters most. Number seven, and related to this, fight the fear of man. As we saw before, if we keep our eyes on the glory of God, our chief end, 
it will mute the impact or help lessen the impact of our fear of man. And if we focus on heavenly treasure, as we just saw in our last point, then we are not seeking the gaze of other people, but God alone, an audience of one. He matters most. What God thinks, literally, is the ultimate concern for believers. Even if we're not always thinking about that, you know that it is if you're a Christian. And haters are going to hate, aren't they? Let them hate if they are against us because of our desire to live for and glorify God with all our life. Pay no attention to them. Pay no attention to the world in those ways. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Move on from what they think and consider what God thinks and fight the fear of man. And number eight, take it one day, an anxious thought at a time. I mentioned earlier that Jesus himself told us this in Matthew 6. He let us know this clearly. He's like, this is what Jesus is saying. Tomorrow is going to be anxious for itself. Let it be anxious for itself. Leave, please, leave tomorrow's worries and fears and anxieties and problems for when they're inevitably going to come. Focus on the task ahead today. Focus on what you can do today. Take baby steps, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. Rather, one hour at a time, or one task at a time. If you worry about your kids, pray to God and love your kids today, right now. If you worry about your marriage or your spouse, seek them out now. Pray with them now, or pray for them now, if they want nothing to do with prayer. If you worry Address those worries today. Baby steps. Talk with. Address things today. If you worry about your work and how things are going to be in a month, you're stressed out about something into the future in your job, go today to work and do your work to the glory of God today. Leave the problems that will come a month from now to be dealt with a month from now, take one anxious thought at a time. Now, this doesn't negate planning and prayer and wisdom and things of that nature, but someone who struggles with anxiety, they're thinking about a million things. I want you to be encouraged by what Jesus points us to in Matthew 6. Address the tasks, the worries, the struggles today, one day at a time, one step at a time. And then number nine, oh, you weary souls, those who struggle in these ways, I want you to rest. God wants you to rest to sleep, and to play even. You need to take your mind off of things, especially if you struggle with worry and fear. I know it seems impossible for you to do that. And I get that. I'm sensitive to that. And none of these points are the silver bullet to take away all the problems. But the point remains, you need sleep. And God gave us a pattern of work and rest, work and rest, and nightly sleep. He gave it to us to show us and remind us daily of how dependent on him we actually are. Do you believe that? Do you live that way? If so, rest and sleep, and even pursue recreation and play all unto the glory of God as 1 Corinthians 10.31 reveals whatever we do, whatever we eat or we sleep or we do, whatever we do, do unto the glory of God. So do these things for the glory of God. I want to encourage you to rest hard. I want to encourage you, church, to pursue your nightly sleep, if at all possible. And I also want to encourage you to play hard and have fun in times of intermittent decompressing that we all need because none of us can go 24-7. God didn't create us like that. He knows that we are but dust. So please don't be prideful thinking that you don't need rest yourself. That's just for everybody else, not for me. That's just weak or something. No, no don't be prideful in that way. You do need rest. And quite frankly, if you 
are struggling severely with anxiety, maybe just consider maybe the, how the lack of rest and, and, and lack of, of, of recreation and lack of sleep might be causing your worry and fear. Do you realize this, that some even say that sleeplessness can have the same effects of hallucinatory drugs like LSD? Don't let yourself get there by failing to sleep and rest and play. These are godly things. It seems mundane. They're godly things. So do that. And number 10, find the secret of contentment. Calm your anxious hearts by being thankful for every good and even providentially bad or difficult thing that might happen in your life. In a fallen world, we experience all of that, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And let a thankful heart be the antidote to the secret of contentment and the killing of your own pride, which we all have to deal with. Job took good and bad things from God. Joseph took good and bad things from God. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, experienced good and bad things in and through his life based on his own purpose and willingness and plan, and it wasn't easy for him, and it certainly wasn't fun for anyone that I just mentioned, but Paul, you see, learned the secret of contentment as they did, whether rich or poor, he says, whether high or low, full or hungry, Paul learned how to be thankful and content with whatever God gave him at any of the seasons of his life. And I want to say this. This is not easy. This is not easy. But it is Christian maturity, and the Lord could encourage you in that. So find the secret of contentment, even through the hard things. And number 11, centralize here, centralize spiritual priorities. Jesus said a lot in Matthew 6 that we've already seen, but He challenged us at the end to what? Seek first the kingdom of God. All the other things that we might worry about will will fall into place in his sovereign plan if we trust him and seek him. And we can get busy now serving other people and caring about eternal kingdom realities. And that's an important thing to have on our minds on all of life, whether we struggle with anxiety or not. And if we're going to be anxious about anything, we should follow the Apostle Paul's footsteps who said even in 2 Corinthians 11, 28, that he bore the weight of concern and stress and anxiety for all the churches. It's revealed that Paul was anxious for the churches and it's being put in that passage in a positive light, not a negative light. He had a care and concern for the churches. Why? Because God, I mean, Paul was all about the kingdom, wasn't he? And because he sought first the kingdom, he cared about how others in the kingdom were doing, didn't he? And he cared about the great work of the kingdom going on in local churches. And so he had a care for that. So we should also centralize our spiritual priorities. And this leads us to number 12, our last point, and, and really the most important one of them all, lean on the peace of the gospel. Listen, your biggest problem and my biggest problem, our collective biggest anxiety in the whole entire world has been dealt with if you are a believer. Because I don't know about you, but going to hell to suffer an eternal conscious punishment sounds like a really, really bad gig, doesn't it? And the fact that I know that I deserve hell because of my many sins, you see, it would utterly terrify me if I were not a Christian. It would give me nightmares if not a believer. And it should terrify you if you're not a Christian because that's the reality for you if you haven't trusted Jesus. But you see, unbelievers, they do what unbelievers are going to do, and they regularly suppress the biblical truth and deny these realities. But if they were honest, it should cause them to be in terror and worry about what is coming to them if they didn't believe. But see this, Jesus was sent by the Father to be the one that we must cast 
every one of our anxieties upon, our worries, our fears upon, upon his shoulders, even as he takes care of our biggest problem on the cross for you, if you're a Christian. I want you to see how good that is. If you trust him, let the peace that transcends all understanding pour over you and think of that peace and think about Jesus Christ and what he did for you and seek to trust him. He's your ultimate rest and your ultimate peace. Now, those are 12 points that you see right there. It could have been 1,200. The Bible gives us rich hope and help, but start with some of these And I want to say this again really clearly. These are not 12 magic bullets that are going to just take all of your worries and problems away. And if you're here with us today and you're a severe struggler with anxiety, these 12 points might even seem a bit trite to you. And I get that. Because if you are a Christian... You've been probably thinking throughout all 12 of these points and the many more that you've sought to pursue. You might have been saying, I've done all these things, Daniel. And I still struggle. I get that. And I believe you. And believe it or not, I have struggles in my life that have seemed so pervasive and seem pervasive and so hard to knock. And so I get that and I see you and I hear you. But please, when you're able to work through your fears and anxieties and come to a place even of semi-rest and and a coherence down from your crippling fear that you may experience. Think of these and many other means of God's grace that he gives his dear children from his word that he knows are going to struggle in a fallen world outside of the garden. Even if it's not perfect, even if not everything goes away, I know that you'll be helped by these things. God gave it to us for these reasons to help. Even if it's just little by little, even if it's undiscernible by you at the time, don't give up hope, dear, hurting, suffering Christian friend. Don't forget the gospel. And don't ignore the good word that Proverbs tells us really does help and makes glad and anxious heart. Even if it only helps a little, don't give up hope in this. And please go to your heavenly father who really does care for you, his child. He adopted you. He sent his son for you. Go to your heavenly father. He loves you. Even if your earthly father doesn't, your heavenly father does perfectly, purely, 100%, 150%, a million percent he loves you. Find help from him. Find help and go to him in your anxiety. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that your word gives help for hurting people, gives direction for sufferers, doesn't leave us alone, doesn't leave us on our own, but provides us good truths and good realities, and it shows us what's really going on in this fallen world, Lord. Oh, Lord, would you mend broken hearts that are here with us or watching? Would you be with them and love them and show your mercy and grace and peace to them? Would you help sufferers, Lord, in this fallen world? Would you help them, I ask? I I pray, I plead for them. We say this in Christ's name. Amen. As we come now to our time of commitment and also to the Lord's Supper.